I go to bed, I wake up in the morning to, um, you know, a, a, an alert on your phone, like a nationwide um, alert saying the people of the town where I had eaten dinner in the restaurant the night before <clears throat> were under a lockdown because there was an armed maniac, a gunned maniac through the place gunning oh my God. down. I mean, it might have made the show, but holy stress balls, like it would have been crazy. Oh my, this is why, right when you said that, I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, this needs to be a movie. Like, <laughs> you're not even out of like three provinces and there's so much grossiness. Today on the show, we are joined once again with our favorite Irish-Canadian songwriter, Ostella. That is Ostella, spelt with a zero instead of an O at the beginning. The zero stands for no waste, and she is somebody who is very conscious about the environment. And so conscious, she decided to tour right across Canada on a bicycle. And oh my god, does she have some stories. She trekked it through injuries, bears, escaped bulls, gunmen on the loose, lightning storms, and just everything. And this is an absolute massive conversation I was personally inspired by. And also beyond Ostella being such a warrior, she did this interview after having an unrelated concussion the day before. And you're gonna hear how that happened at the beginning, but oh my God, kudos. And she gave me a little update a day or two after this interview saying maybe she shouldn't have pushed it so hard. And I just want to send my love and vibes to you for taking the time to do this interview. I asked if she wanted to reschedule. She insisted. And, and what can I say? She is truly somebody who will conquer anything that she puts her mind to and just push through like a fucking warrior. So love and respect to you, Ostella. And let's dive into this incredible journey. Well, hello. Good morning. How good morning. are you? <laughs> good. How are you? Good, good. You had quite the night, eh? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. How, how, how are you feeling right now? Um, pretty good, all things considered. It was just a mild concussion, so um, even headaches and stuff were pretty good, even after I got out of hospital so i'm just drugging up and uh bringing down inflammation and taking it easy yeah yeah scary stuff yeah my mom had a concussion recently too and uh even i remember like lights and like even staring at a screen for a long time Mm -hmm. is hard to do so i don't know if this is hard for you right now but let me know during this interview we can always redo oh, some sure. stuff so no it's all good yeah. i watched a film last night um and i was fine i don't have any photosensitivity although this morning i think just the back of my eyes are a little sore so but i have like the contrast turned down on my screen i should be good to go don't fresh okay yeah. cool cool yeah so if, even if you sneak away and hide <laughs> we sure. can hear your voice <laughs> we'll make well, it good. a spotify episode <laughs> yeah well i mean like i may just like look around the room and uh, from time to time instead of looking at you on the screen but that's okay yeah yeah so so it happened while you were skating or yeah we were ice skating with um with a buddy and her little eight-year-old son and we were teaching him to skate all day long and some guy uh mid-20s was like super great at skating and i think he was just acting the ass and pulled a trick move and fumbled it and fell and came sliding along the ice and took me out from behind so i didn't even see him coming i heard a fall but i didn't see him come for me so yeah and i just went up in the air and came down i guess i think i went down on my hip based on soreness this morning but proceeded to whack my head back and it like bounced off the ice, like to the point that I was like a third of the way back up to sitting up kind of, you know, and everyone was like, Oh, like everyone saw it. So, Oh yeah. man. Did you, did you black weird. out at that moment or I didn't No. Yes. Yeah, so you remember so it. Yeah. Thankful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the doctor was actually really surprised I came out as well as I did considering the impact. So, yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, universe. Yeah. 
tough lady (laughs) i know most i know people who rescheduled interviews for less so (laughs) these these irish chicks are uh, built different you know their hearts take down (laughs) yeah these north american girls be like oh the mercury's in retrograde and i'm a sagittarius we can't do talk today you know but fucking you get knocked out let's do this let's (laughs) let's make some content (laughs) totally yeah that's badass and speaking of badass stuff that you've done um i mentioned in the intro you're a singer songwriter the second time on the show as well you did a tour across canada but not only a tour you did it on a bicycle and i've been so excited to talk to you about this i've seen little like news reports from the cbc that you posted and stuff like that but that is so cool. And I just kind of want to go back to almost the beginning of what inspired you to do that. So, yeah, let me know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, I think it all started out in um, in 2020. I was just, it was 2020 and I was sitting watching a live stream from one of my favorite musicians, Glenn Hansard. And he was remarking on how clean all the skies looked because no one was flying any, anywhere. And uh, he said it got him thinking about his world tour schedules and how he might endeavor to have fewer transatlantic flights when things open back up again in an effort to contribute to cleaner skies. And I was like, oh, that's an awesome idea. You know, I have my doubts as to whether or not he'll follow through on it, whether he'll be able to. But I mean, if anyone should be doing something like that, should be the girl with the zero in her name for zero waste. Right. So. Mm It got me thinking and um, I also had um, a possibility of um, renting a transit van that had been converted into a mobile stage at one point. And I was like, oh, some kind of way that we can like work this into a cross Canada tour and I can strap the bike to the back and cycle some of it. And then I ended up getting invited to France to a residency for um, for late like autumn 2022 and i was like oh here's the opening right i'll i'll get myself to halifax and fly to dublin so that's the shortest transatlantic flight i can do and then pedal my way and camper van my way to the residency right for a month and then tour that new material back through europe get my return flight come back over to canada tour my way home Mm. and um anyway 2020 being what it was um and 2021 it all just pretty much fell apart like plan after plan after plan just dissolved um but it still left me with a record that i meant made i'd spent all of 2021 making this giant record um and so the first half of that was scheduled to come out um in october 2022 so i was like right well I guess nothing's left except me and my bike uh, to to promote this thing. And I come from a family of cyclists anyway, and I'm, I used to do a lot of long distance cycling through like Argentina and Ireland and stuff when I used to live in Ireland still. So it, the concept wasn't alien to me, but uh, but I hadn't really cycled beyond commuting in Canada uh, since moving here, really. So that was like 15 years. So I took the summer of 2021 to start training again. And I entered a race at the end of the summer around September in Drayton Valley for 160 kilometers, just to get a baseline on like a racer bike and see what everything looked like. So yeah, so I kicked off last April from Victoria and ended up in Halifax on the first, second, first of October. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's it's cool to hear you kind of like break down your training and stuff too, because I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know if you woke up one day and it's like, let's do this, get on the bike. And even I was thinking you were going to the East Coast from Edmonton. You even started in Victoria, which is insane to me. And uh, I kind of want to know, like, uh, and, and also I use the word insane. It's also very commendable of like your philosophy behind the reason that you're taking this trip but um i also want to know like maybe on your first day when you first jumped on the bike and you started pedaling what was in your mind like oh my god i'm doing this right now and uh like kind of the emotions and feelings you had yeah they were really really mixed um 
I went out to Victoria actually deliberately early so that I could get some things organized last minute um, loose ends tied up and things. And so when I finally got round to leaving my buddy's house where I was staying and cycling down the big steep hill into town to my next host where I was staying was the first time I packed up the bike with everything I planned to bring with me. I had done like one practice little uh, cycle with most things loaded onto it in Edmonton a weekend before, but didn't get further than a block away before I hit a shard of glass and got like a, an outrageous flash. And I had to like change my tire for the first time ever, which is absolutely wild as well. In all the years I've cycled my bike, pretty much my whole life and the amount of long distance stuff I've done, I've never had to change a tire. So anyway, so I did. Um, so here I am. And of course, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And it's late at night. It's like 10 o'clock at night, pitch black outside. And I'm trying to load down all of this stuff into her foyer and assemble the bike in the trailer. And everyone passing by is like, are you okay? I couldn't even lift the main bag that was going on the back of the trailer barely could it Damn. was probably about 90 pounds i'd say itself like it was so heavy and um and so anyway i got it all loaded up and like nervously wiggly wheeled got myself down the hill and gathered a lot of speed um so that was nerve-wracking and at that point i had like a box of vinyls with me a box of cds with me plus 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 so that one journey down the hill, I was like, I'm insane. This is insane. I'm <laughs> offloading as much as I can. So those CDs and vinyl just stayed in Victoria. Um, and it really wasn't until I left Vancouver proper when I was cycling out through Abbotsford um, and beyond. I think it was on the way to Abbotsford was the first night. And once again, things had gotten delayed and I was cycling at night time and I was losing my light like the light battery was running out all kinds of things like that and I really thought to myself what am I doing like going over bridges oh nerve-wracking stuff like it was insane like these big 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 tall like steep bridges with narrow 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 walkways that you had to cycle along and like bend around the concrete that wrapped around you know the street lights every few hundred feet or whatever and the whole thing's rattling because the semi-trucks are going over on the lanes next to you. And my gears, because the bike is so heavy, I couldn't get an ideal um, kind of uh, uh, traction, not traction, but uh, torque on my, tr on my chain. You know, like one gear was too tough and the next gear was way too loose and wiggly and to try and balance and my core wasn't conditioned yet to balance the whole thing and the thing moved like a barge so like it's not like when you're ripping around on a bicycle and you see a pothole or something you can make a quick adjustment and get around it it's like driving a barge or like a big big like double-ended long bus or whatever everything has to be slow and smooth and calculated Damn. it's a whole other thing so i pulled it like i got it all the way through um, the Rocky Mountains and everything. By the time I got back to Edmonton, I was dealing with my first injury, but I really, I, I deliberately hadn't weighed any of the rig before I left because I didn't want that number sitting in my head, psyching myself out, trying to get over the Rocky Mountains. So once I had that under my belt and I was home in Edmonton to play four shows and to rehab the, the leg, I weighed everything down at my local bike shop. <laughs> the whole bike, minus bottles of water, minus me, came in at 192 pounds. Damn. Damn. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's what so you've been pushing that far to. Yeah. So when you when you got there, did you like unload more stuff or did you just have essentials and yeah, hundred percent. It was um it was a challenge because at that point I didn't want to carry excessive stuff um, in any shape or form, even down to additional cables. So I, I ditched my XLR cable, I ditched my quarter inch cable, everything to hook my music gear together. I just had a microphone and my guitar like and just stripped it down to that. Um, and then the thing is that like it was quite a late spring too. 
when I was setting out, my biggest concern was in fact getting trapped by wildfires because the wildfires out west have been um outrageous for the last few years. And last summer 2021, when I was training, um, a good 50% of our training days were called off due to um the air quality. And some days, once that wild heat dome came through we were literally having to decide do we want to get lung cancer today or heat stroke because we need to get training in which one do we do so we like there was a few days one in particular where me and my buddy went out training and it was 42 degrees and she started to get like mild heat exhaustion symptoms she was getting a headache and feeling a bit nauseous so we took our time and we found like a public um play area you know with a fountain or whatever and we just drenched ourselves and she recovered quite nicely but like we were going down you know country roads down by farms and things and you could hear and feel your bicycle tires like sticking to the to the tarmac of the road like oh my god is that when you like look at the road and you see the the heat waves off the pavement like in the distance and stuff like oh man yeah exactly so um so therefore when i was heading out on this trip my main concern was like okay if i get trapped by fires what's my protocol so obviously i went down the rabbit hole of like you know preparedness on youtube and bushcraft and i just wanted to gather as many like self-sufficiency skills as i could and emergency skills or whatever so i was like loaded loaded up with like like dehydrated foods that i planned to eat but far too much of it i had packed enough food to do me for practically the summer so it weighed about 10 or 20 pounds in its bag itself like so so excessive but you know then you've paid for the food and you've gone through the trouble of dehydrating it yourself you're not just going to ditch it somewhere so that was like a real cross to bear kind of yeah yeah to like eat the stuff to get to to just reduce the weight god damn it really resentful (laughs) yeah it's so so tricky to plan though i can't even imagine like even like uh I was thinking like if I were in your shoes, there would be so much worry of am I overpacking? Am I underpacking things? It's just you don't know. You're kind of just stepping into the unknown. And this is like trial and error, you know, like it's so crazy. Yeah, definitely. And and that is the issue is that I have lots of cycling experience, but I had no bike packing experience. So it really was trial and error. And, you know, I made all the classic mistakes of a new bike packer. I overpacked and I didn't have enough of this or whatever, like the, mm-hmm. the balance wasn't there. Pardon the pun, but, um, yeah. but you work it out along the way. Right. And so anyway, my point was that like the fires weren't at all a concern because we had such a late spring. So the weekend before I left, it was minus 10 in Alberta when I took all my gear out to a buddy's house to to test all the gear so i camped for two nights out in minus 10 so i had like you know extra wool warm blankets and a ton of stuff to keep myself warm and i just 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 barely slept through the night so yes the minute i got to edmonton i offloaded all that stuff because i figured once i was through the rockies that was the worst of the cold that i'd be dealing with and sure enough i mean there was still snow coming through the rockies when i was there so i was glad i had as much as i did but the minute i got a chance to dump it i did damn yeah i can imagine just the beginning of that trip especially for people who are not uh familiar with canada my american listeners do for like starting in british columbia like just seems nuts because the mountains and everything and you mentioned the fires that are happening there too um yeah just wow did did you just feel like oh once i get out of this province like things are gonna be more okay or like yeah, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine the un- the unknown <laughs> popping yeah. up everywhere, you know? Like, BC was an interesting one to cycle through because it has amazing infrastructure set up. So about 20 kilometers either side of every major town is a rest stop. So you can stop and pee or whatever. And, but obviously it's incredibly um, densely um packed with vegetation you know like there's trees and shrubs and everything and um so it's beautiful 
but the trouble is that subconsciously quite consciously actually you're always on the lookout for deer to jump out at you um bears especially um and all those types of things and i found the minute i crossed the border into alberta for one thing i was you know going downhill from the foothills of the rocky mountains so i had this killer descent soft descent plus i finally picked up a tailwind so it was just shooting me forward so i was like cruising at 50 kilometers i didn't have to try and at one point i got off the bike to check for something in my bag and i stepped off and for a split second um didn't hold onto the bike as well as i should have and the wind blew the whole thing over like it was so strong damn Um, (laughs) but that wind really can be your enemy too because that was the one and only time i think in all of the prairies i had that tailwind everything else turned into a crosswind or a headwind and that's where i ended up picking up the second injury was uh on my travels from um from uh what is it saskatoon down to regina it's a three-day cycle uh i could have taken four days because if you remember i had gone to edmonton with the first injury and was rehabbing it there so i was there for a week to try and get that under control so the smart thing to do would have been uh, to do it in four days but i had a gig in regina the next day so i wanted to get there so i was pushing it to get there and then i um i had a long day on the second day and i had stopped for ice cream in the evening time for dinner and as i set off again for my last 20 kilometers of the day to hit my destination about two kilometers out of the little town i hit a puncture on my little wheel on my trailer and i didn't realize it because of the sound of the traffic going by and then once everything got quiet on the road it sounded like i was pulling some like wheelie luggage behind me on tarmac and I was like what is that sound what and I looked down at my two wheels under me and I'm like everything looks okay and I'm like oh oh so I step off and sure enough the little guy is totally flat I'm like oh come Damn. on I don't want to like unload everything on the shoulder of this highway and then fix this flat I was like I want to get to my destination so I hammered on and fighting like slugging it out cycling with this flat trailer with a heavy ass trailer behind it like weighing it down and uh i i was going so slowly and i got one kilometer into that and i was like this is pure madness liz like you have to just pull over at the next opportunity so sure enough then this tiny little town shows up find later as a grand this good enough tiny little town where everyone it's super sleepy there's front doors unlocked and everything looks like it was kind of creepy like everything in houses kind of looked um abandoned in the middle of a task you know interesting yeah and i was knocking on doors and no one was answering i'm like is everyone over at a neighbor's house or something i couldn't find anybody and i was just losing a bit of heart at one point and then I spotted one young guy in his 20s and I was like, hey, he was in his back garden. I was like, can I camp in your garden tonight? I have a flat, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, sure. He just bought this house and he grew up in the town. So it was great. So I fixed the tire and headed on the next day. But get this then. So the day I was coming into Regina was a grand day um, and I stopped um for my last break of the evening i'm like okay i'm getting tired but i definitely need to get there tonight let's stop for dinner so i'm going along the number 16 or no number one i think it was north anyway um and so it's two lanes of highways they're all doing like 110 plus and i see a restaurant off to the left so i have to take this left turn across and there's so go across the highway and everything yeah damn so and I, I can't move faster than really at a push 15 kilometers an hour so i was like okay the smarter thing to do instead of trying to cut across two lanes of fast traffic is take the right hand turn into the the minor road turn myself around and then just shoot straight across all those lanes of traffic when i get an opening grant so i'm lined up ready checking my two lanes of traffic 
I get my opening and I look across the road to where I'm going and there's um, an F-150, a large one, waiting to make the same move in the opposite direction to take my lanes going forward towards Saskatoon. Regina, wherever I'm going, don't care. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, I'm sure it all blurs together sometimes. It does. Yeah. So anyway, so oh, yeah, sorry. This is uh, anyway, whatever. So anyway, yeah. so we both make the same move, but in the time it takes me to cycle across my two lanes of traffic, he's able to clear his two lanes, get to the median, and then check for an opening. So he just paused at the median instead of full stop, as you'd maybe expect. And he just decides it's safe for him. So he starts moving on anyway. And so he's pulling into the fast lane just as I'm coming into the fast lane. And he's so tall. And I'm like, oh my God, like screaming at him, like barely able to see his eyes in the driver's seat, you know? And he's like, holy, at the last minute and has to spin around me. So I come into this restaurant and I'm shaking like a leaf and there's this like, there's this lady sitting out on the patio and she's like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, just, <laughs> just cycling and try not to die and just let me collect myself. So she's like, okay. And, uh, so I, come in, I eat my dinner, I get talking to the owners and they're super lovely and I tell them where I'm playing in Regina the next night and they're like, oh, we know the people that run it. Say hi for us. It used to be our local grand grand. So eat my dinner. I set off and like, thank God I did that. I feel wonderful. I'm looking in the sky behind me. I'm like, God damn it. Yet another storm. I'm going to have to try and outrun because this guy looked nasty. So I'm pegging it, trying to outrun this thunderstorm because that's a great fear of mine as well is I don't want to get trapped in a thunderstorm. I've heard stories. And uh, so I bomb it into, um, into town and, uh, yeah get into town and with about half an hour to to clear uh um the the absolute heavens open and it's just this rager of a storm i'm like thank god i missed that that's amazing so i go to bed i wake up in the morning to um you know an alert on your phone like a nationwide um alert saying that the people of the town where I had eaten dinner in the restaurant the night before, <clears throat> were under a lockdown because there was an armed maniac, a gunned maniac, through the place, gunning oh my God. people down over breakfast. It started at like 7.30 in the morning or something like that. Oh my God. And no one was allowed to leave their houses. So if I had decided, oh, I'll just cycle in the day of the show and I'll sleep here tonight and get a rest, I mean, it might have made the show, but holy stress balls, like it would have been crazy. So I just narrowly missed a whole load of things in a 24 hours period. Oh my, this is why, right when you said that, I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, this needs to be a movie. Like, you're not even out of like three provinces and there's so much grossiness and emotion and just like, like just the hardships both mentally and physically are insane to me and even like uh it seemed like you kind of like had a set plan of where to stop to but i'm sure like once you're out there like things are changing and you have to just roll with the the punches and the unknown and everything but you do and like the biggest one of the biggest challenges for me on this cycle was the fact that it was brand new to me and I didn't know what I'd be capable of. So I deliberately didn't pre-book the shows for the tour with, and and nor did I really focus on booking venues because I didn't want to flake on bookers and give myself bad name, obviously, if I couldn't make it on time for a show. So I've been booking mainly house concerts because the point of this tour after lockdown was to go back out in the world and find the human condition like like the the genuine kindness that i know everyone has but we'd all been like spoon fed this bs all for the two years that like the world is scary and dangerous and sure enough sure felt scary but mainly that humans were 
dirt and like not cool and not to be trusted depending on what your beliefs were like and I was just so disheartened with everything in the world I just needed this tour as like a salve for myself so I wanted to deliberately book house concerts where I'd be in people's homes and closer to people and start some conversations and things so anyway so I was booking all of these things um as I went along which was I couldn't have done it I had like an intern working for me and um another woman on my team as well and I honestly couldn't have done it without either of those guys um but it was a lot to be like I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight but I have a fair idea that I know I have to be in that town for this house concert like in two days time so that's where I got the first injury from in fact was uh <clears throat> uh my schedule I wasn't able to bump it for some shows that I when I realized I needed extra time to get to the get to Edmonton so I cycled through a scheduled day off so on my way um to Calgary I ended up having to get rescued because I was on day number six of cycling in a row the three previous days to that had been days of a hundred kilometers and um and I was starting to get um, pains and things in my knee because of the bike fit. And I had made an adjustment uh, two days before and things were just going wrong all day long. And this day turned into 12 hours in the, in the saddle, which involved the sighting of four wolves separately, all kind of hunting cows and staring at me and Fuck. all this crazy <laughs> stuff along the side of the highway. Then I I was cursing Alberta because, as I said, BC is well set up for like rest stops and stuff. Alberta is not there. Were, and it was tick season. So and it's flat as hell. So for a girl to run to the bathroom in a flat landscape with ticks in the grass, I had very few options and, Damn. Uh, and it was very uncomfortable for the day. And then I, I I'm cycling along and I had thought that coming into Alberta, for one thing, it, I felt instant relief when I was coming down that hill with the 50 kilometer wind, because in my head, I thought I had left behind all the bears in the forest. And the first night I camped in a campsite, I got a rude awakening because there was all these signs, grizzlies around. They're like, don't forget you're in bear country. I'm like, oh, I'm still oh here. Oh my God. God. <laughs> so, so scary. I, so this this 12 hour day I'm cycling along and I'm starting to go into like really remote areas where there's no rest stops and cars are few and far between and things. And there's signs for like more more bears and I don't think I was hitting moose yet, but lots of bear signs. I'm like, oh, God, OK, fine, whatever. It's going to be fine. And then I'm coming down this hill and. Um, you know, that lovely um, that moment when a small rainstorm passes through and you go from dry road and straight on to wet road. There's like a discernible line where the storm was. So mm -hmm. I hit that and I'm going down this hill and I'm looking uh, up the road at the bottom of the hill. And there's this big, large black animal running across the road from one side and over a fence into a field on the other side. And there's all these like vans and, um f-150s and things parked either side of the road and people running around and stuff i get down there and i slow up and uh i come up next to one of the women and i was like is everything okay she's like yeah our bull got out and we just got our bull yeah <laughs> it was oh my god a yeah. giant black bull <laughs> i saw running across the road it was like literally something out of a nursery rhyme and the bull jumped over the fence <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the most alberta shit i've ever heard our bull <laughs> like it's like their dog or something i know but you can imagine how much money that is running around the road and everyone's like oh my god if it hits a car we're yeah. we're wrecked you know and it could kill someone so anyway so that was grand so I'd go on again and at this point my ankle now because it had migrated from knee to ankle and my ankle's just raging at me and I had plans to meet my party um in a town high river in Alberta and my GPS 
all day had been like, this is a six and a half hour journey, no bother. And I'm like, okay, excellent. And I'm going up through the porcupine hills and stuff, dealing with headwinds and things that I really hadn't had to contend with yet. Mm. And it's just a grind. The hill won't go away. The wind won't go away. It's, it's dusk. You're getting depressed because it's getting longer and longer kept checking your GPS and it keeps pushing your destination time, your ETA out, out, out. So I'm like, now apparently I'm going to get there at 10 o'clock tonight. Like, oh God. And you know, people are waiting on you. So anyway, then um, I pass a herd of horses and I'm a horse nut and they just like make me giggle. And I'm thrilled to see such gorgeous guys because it must be about 15 of them and they're all curious about me. And I'm like, hi, boy. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) They kind of like run along with me a little bit. And that was one of the biggest kicks I loved was um, cycling along huge, big pastures especially with cows especially in the springtime because there were and in bc because there were fewer farm dogs in my experience and they were all very curious so if you mooed at them as you cycled by they'd all moo back and then start (laughs) running along the fence with you and you'd get this whole herd galloping along next to you it was so fun oh that's adorable so these horses brightened my day and then i went on and i was still hurting a lot and uh and then my GPS is like, okay, you need to go down this hill. Then you're going to take this range road and you're going to go straight that way for a long time. And I'm at the top of my hill that I have to go down and I can see the other part of the range road and it's nothing but hills up and down and it's gravel. And I'm like, you're joking. I don't want to deal with any more hills. My ankle's not going to take it. So I'll take the long way. Thanks. So I go to take the long way around it. And um, and the turn it wants me to take says that it's a closed road to traffic. I'm like, this can't be right. So I'm like, damn it. Like, I'll just go back and I'll, I'll eat it. I'll take the hill, whatever. But sorry, I didn't realize that it was gravel at that point. So I cycle all the way back and it's now dusk, like hard dusk. And I'm getting really dejected and starting to feel completely lost and Um, stranded and like I won't make my destination at all and I'm starting to kind of crumble a little bit mentally and there's this horse in this field next to me and uh, he runs over and he's like tall and he's got his tail held high and his head held high and his ears forward and his nostrils flared and he like runs up to the fence and like blows air through his nose which I've never really um experienced a horse doing before and I've a lot of experience with horses and I was like this is so strange and in my head I'm like this is like something out of a movie you know when like a horse talks to the protagonist or something yeah yeah. what are you trying to tell me (laughs) and I was like so dejected I was like what man like what's your problem and he like kind of half whinnies at me and then he runs away runs a big circle in the field and comes back closer to me and snorts again. I'm like, fucking back off. I'm trying. Like, I don't know. And he, <laughs> yeah. he runs away again. Another circle comes back even closer, snorts again. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, just this big and I'm like, okay, fine. It was the whole, it was like, he was like, come on, you can do it. Like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, okay. And I was cycling along oh. and I was falling, crying into the wilderness at this point. I'm like, ah. So I finally reached the range road again. And I turn onto it. I'm like, of course you're gravel. Of course you are. Um, And of course, because of the weight of this bike and the trailer only has one wheel. So I'm like two big bicycle wheels and a tiny little one wheel behind me. So just a snake of one wheels. And um, with the weight of it, it's so unstable going over loose gravel. So I was going up hills, down hills. Um, I'm starting to lose light. So I put the flasher setting on my headlamp to reserve more energy in the light because now I have no clue how long it's going to take me to get to my destination. Probably going to lose light, my headlight. So I'm like, it's flashing. So you're going down the hill, gravel in pitch black now with only flashing light, strobe light. To light oh my them. God. So you got so like, like these seconds of 
view in like oh my god so i'm like half getting vertigo too and i'm trying to like stop it snaking or fishtailing you know and every time i have to correct my balance i have to put down the sore ankle to steady myself which is just making it worse so i finally eke my way to the top of this one hill by a farm and i'm like that's it i'm done and it's a clear sky but there's this massive storm rolling in and it's flashing with lightning and it's coming my way i'm like forget it so i ring for help and the van comes and picks me up like just as the first droplets are falling out of the sky it was just mad mad i felt like such a failure that day it was just it was excruciating emotionally and ego egoly <laughs> oh, there's there's so much like with the weather conditions, technology, <laughs> and, and distances, and even around this part, you're semi like if you look at like Canada as a whole, you're kind of close to home in a way. Relative. What made you like? So this is kind of still the beginning, and you're having like all these like uh, these feats of like just things coming at you. What made you not quit and say, I'm just going to keep going? Because at this point, you're you're close to home. You're not even halfway yet. And you're like, did you have like an epiphany where like, you're just like, I can quit, but I'm just going to keep doing this type of thing? Or I had my best friend saying that to me all the time. He was yeah. like, I'll pick you up anywhere. Like, no one's going to think less of you. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't an option in my head i'm extremely stubborn i don't know what it is to me um (laughs) i mean if we want to be really really honest with ourselves (laughs) 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 i mean it's not like i'm signed to a record label or anything and so there's there's always you know you're always comparing yourself to other people right and you have this sense of what success looks like or this this particular notion in your own head and since I hadn't met the criteria of what I define success by just yet I was like well if I can't do this I am a total failure because I haven't Mm. met anything else yet I really think that was a lot of what was driving me um but I've yeah I really haven't been much of one to quit anything ever so I don't know just very stubborn I guess yeah that's understandable I feel like a lot of like independent artists too um, can relate to that mindset as well too where the comparison and sometimes like that could be the death of you but like on your journey it's like the most amazing motivation too because you end up doing this whole thing too and uh even did you find it got a little easier after time i know you're getting injuries um did it go the other way <laughs> like i feel like the the first few provinces are probably like in my mind are probably like the worst to trek to but also they've as you've told like they've beaten you up and just continuing this journey i can't even imagine like your legs getting more tired like so many things like a million things i could ask you like but uh yeah just kind of like how how were you feeling like on that next stretch uh pretty down in the dumps to be honest because um as i was saying when i was uh on the way to regina so that thing with the gunman and stuff i was incorrect that was on the way into um saskatoon Mm -hmm. and then the next day leaving saskatoon i camped over the following day which was day two of the three day cycle from Saskatoon to Regina was when I got that flat tire and I had to like cycle it for a kilometer with the flat tire in the trailer. Then when I got into Regina, I didn't make it into Regina about 40 kilometers out. um, I started um, my knee injury really started getting angry and um, it was a rager of a hot day um, the day before on my way to Regina and I was having to stop every 20 kilometers to ice down my knee and rest in the shade. And I stopped for my last break of the day before the last uh, 40 kilometers. And uh, as I was coming down the hill into the little uh, town, it was Capel Valley, Capel Valley. 
um, my knee was so sore. It was like my, my patella, my kneecap was really, really painful. I couldn't bend my leg any longer. So coming down the hill, I had to hang my leg off my bicycle straight and just pedal with one leg. And so I decided, thank God, there was a campsite just across the road from the 7-Eleven I was stopped at. So I camped there for the night. And I, if you've ever tried to get into a tent with a straight leg that can't bend, bend, it's pretty tough. So my plan was just to get loads of rest and cycle again the following day. And uh, an electrical storm blew in to the valley that night. So I was camped on a hill by the water all the things you should not do oh my god under under some trees and of this, course and, and this, <laughs> this this incredible lightning storm electrical storm is going off overhead and i was like this is insane i'm googling what to do i'm like just don't be in this basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i can't leave this so, oh man i could so i ran into the the camp um the campsite shower building so there was like this narrow bench an uncomfortable distance off the floor in there and it's all fluorescent lighting you know so i went in there and tried to sleep on this bench on the wall with newspapers <laughs> jesus <laughs> um, christ this, probably just all room. soaked too and everything oh my god no i was dry because the, okay. no rain fell through this it was just an electrical storm which was nice so um so I was in and out all night long checking because it would sound like it had gone away and then I'd come back out and I'd check things were okay and back in the tent and sure enough it's back it it just like blown around or whatever and I got some video and it's just incredible the colors and the patterns and the streaks of electricity going across this whole valley was just nuts so wow. anyway it gets to about I don't know, three or four in the morning. And I'm like, I don't even care at this point if I die, I need sleep. So I went back in my tent and like propped my leg up on, on my panniers in my tent to try and elevate it and fell asleep somewhat. I think I got three hours sleep. And then in the morning, my, my campsite buddy on the site next door to me was like, Hey, I can drive you into Regina if you want, like, because I got up and I still couldn't bend my leg. I'm like, Oh no, I need a physio. So he drove me into, into town where I had physio. So therefore rehabbed in Regina for another week. And then my house concert host who was having me in Winnipeg was coming home to Winnipeg from BC and he was picking up an artist in Calgary and he was like, we can pick you up in Regina. I'm like, sweet. So I drove from Regina to Winnipeg, did a bunch of shows there. And then I also playing bicycle shops. I was doing like workshop um, performance combos where I talk so about bike cool. and do a show. Nice. And I was ringing around all the bike shops to propose this. And one bike shop I was talking to um was like oh cool you're doing the cycle what direction are you cycling i was like east and he's like okay so you're gonna hit the east leg now right you're going out through kenora i was like yeah that's the plan he was like jesus will you be careful because one of our clients just got hit by a semi out that direction and died like last week I'm like, oh that that's oh. what you want to hear right then too right it's <laughs> jesus yeah. and the thing oh. about this tour is it like it really taught me that um if you listen to the universe, it'll give you answers and it's always listening to you. So I was like, okay, I hear it. I hear you. Let me just try a couple of things. So I'm like, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to put feelers out. And if I can get myself a lift, then great. And if I can't get it, I've tried and I have no other choice but to cycle it. So I put the feelers out and this guy who had had me play his, um, his, reserve in saskatchewan was in fact driving to montreal anyway so he was able to pick me up so he drove me as far as um sudbury in ontario so i missed all of that so basically all of the prairies after regina i didn't have to cycle i wasn't capable of cycling it and mm -hmm. um, because there's like for any listeners that don't know there's a stretch of about two or three hundred kilometers um coming through northern ontario where it's wild wilderness like uh, bodies disappear all the time 
and there are no rest stops, no nothing for that whole time. And I really just didn't think that the first time back on the bicycle after this injury to see how it would fare would be this part would be a smart place to do it. Cause if anything went wrong, there'd be no option to get help. So I was like, yeah, this I couldn't even fun. imagine like the fear I would have to like with, with my leg banged up and feeling weak too, is if like uh, you do come across a bear or something, it's just, you're basically lunch, you know, it's, there's nothing you can do. You can't fight. And Oh man. Also, uh, I need to ask, uh, how are you for time? I think uh, you mentioned you have a thing in a couple minutes or. Yeah, I can stay a few minutes extra. It's fine. Yeah. Or we can do like a part two or something. I feel like I have a million questions. We're like halfway on your journey and everything, but. I know. Uh, well, why don't we so... do another, another 10 minutes and then I'm totally down to do a part two. Yeah. Okay. That, that'd be awesome too. Cause, uh. Yeah, even like I feel like I underestimated this interview. <laughs> like <laughs> as you're talking, I'm just like, oh, there's a million things I want to ask you. And we're not even like halfway on the journey. Maybe even like since you have like a little bit of time to uh you mentioned um that this was also kind of like in a way like a social study of like humans and how you were talking about like lots of people have been only seeing the bad and stuff. In the end of the journey, were there more? Was there more good than bad when you looked at humanity, or vice versa, or a mix? Or no, we're all assholes, really. That's all it is, too. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. Just give up now. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was so needed and so worthwhile. I tell you, like there's always an exception to the rule, but I'd say 99% of the people that I met were exquisite human beings. Everybody was generous, um, hospitable. And so many people, when they come across a nutty person like me doing something like this, they're so awestruck by it and inspired by it. They just, they really want to live vicariously through you and become part of your story. So I was, I was aware of the fact that I was a novelty in their lives and also aware of the fact that I was staying for a very short period of time. And so the reception I was getting I know it was a gift in in relative terms because you know if if you were just like buddy from high school who had showed up on their front door front step um having just quit their job and moved out or something like that and had no real plans and were kind of bumming with them for a while you know that that welcome would wear out pretty soon you know yeah. and even even my friends that I stayed with in Regina I stayed with them longer than I had planned to than I really wanted to, but it's what my leg needed. And they were, they were exquisite and um, everything was, was great that way. And pure strangers that I met. I mean, I loved it. Like when I was in Kingston, I had just cycled in there one evening with a buddy. And you know, when you asked me, did anything ever get easier across the country? It did because of this one particular guy that I cycled into Kingston with, he and I had been chatting on Instagram all summer. Uh, he's a cyclist as well and a DJ. He lives in the Toronto region, uh, Toronto proper actually. And um, when he heard about my injury in Regina, he was asking me lots of questions because I had had a bike fitting. I had three of them and you know was constantly on the phone with my bike fitter and stuff and we were trying to troubleshoot so it's not like I wasn't doing the basic homework stuff but anyway he mentioned cadence to me he was asking what my cadence was and I had like a little cadence sensor on my pedal um stem and um anyway I told him my numbers and he was like holy that's way too high so basically the cadence is the speed at which you make one full rotation and when you do faster um rotations that makes for a very high cadence and slower is a low cadence so my um my uh cadence was much too low because i was trying to stay in a tougher gear which would should make you go faster and i was feeling like i was doing i was doing higher kilometers per hour but the 
the cost of that was more effort on my part. So um, I made that adjustment and cycled with less effort and therefore a higher cadence. And that really, really reduced the wear and tear on my knee and was able to let it kind of recover itself. So that was a nice. huge, huge part of the technique and um, that changed halfway along and really was the thing that got me to the finish line. Because if I'd continued to pedal the way I had before, I think it would have just continued to be an issue. So that was really good. But anyway, so he and I cycle into um, Kingston that evening. We're getting dinner. I had the bike parked along the fence of the patio we're sitting on. We're coming out after dinner and these two women walk by and they read the little sign in my trailer and they're like, what is this about? This sounds great. And they've just been, it's summertime, right? So there's festivals everywhere and Kingston was just alive when we cycled into the town centre that night. And it was like cycling into a mini Trafalgar Square in London, UK. Cool. It was so cool. And especially after the last two years, I hadn't seen anything so alive with culture and so many people packed into one place it was amazing yeah because this is just post-pandemic right away like yeah. you were one of the first people like i noticed who started touring you know like right after so yeah, yeah totally yeah. so they ended up uh inviting me up to their house to play a keg party um cool yeah, it was so amazing. I ended up having to stay in town an extra day to be able to facilitate them. But it was the first person, the first time on that whole journey where an impromptu invite had occurred. And it was so wild because it recovered my sense of hope in my entire endeavor because all of my friends that I was leaning on for advice and guidance who had done similar things to this pre-pandemic, they all had a lot of anecdotal stories of busking in the new town that they had arrived in and almost instantly being invited back to people's houses to play an impromptu show where they invite their friends and family over and it was so fun and well attended and it was a great payday and all the other things. Oh, nice. And after all the busking along the way, I hadn't had an invite like this until Kingston. So I was like, oh man, it just felt like everyone was still very nervous to do anything spontaneous, you know? Yeah, yeah. What a great vibe though. And I feel like that's probably gave you some good energy to push on through. Oh, it and did. And like the keg party was just amazing. It was out on a lake and there was like 50 people there. They're all like university kids and their parents. Oh, they hell yeah. They were all like high school friends and also hadn't seen each other in about two years. So it was just the best, best vibe. It was so much fun. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And final question for you. I know we're going over your time right now, but how did it feel emotionally when you got to that last stop and you're like, I fucking did it. Yeah, <laughs> that whole cycle in. To Hal uh, Halifax that day was a blissful cycle and it was just as long as the cycle leaving Vancouver to my first like proper destination so I saw a lot of parallels between both days of cycling but the difference in my mood in Halifax was extreme like Vancouver was a sense of terror and dread and panic and exhaustion and I was sweating profusely because it was summer to springtime and I overdressed and struggling with the weight of the bike and going uphill predominantly. Halifax was predominantly downhill, autumn time, spectacular colours, I had finally locked in my technique, I was coming to the end, I had this whole system like just dialed in um, and although it was late at night um, and I made it once again, the GPS suggested one route and I disagreed. So I confidently made a different choice, whereas Vancouver it was a lot of me cursing at the phone and starting new routes and then double backing or double, you know, doubling back again to fix things. It was a lot of messiness, you know, um, but as as it would happen with me for everything big um and final um 
it was late at night. I didn't have like a big welcoming party waving streamers in my face or anything like that. I was just cycling to another destination and she wasn't home yet. She was a musician. She was just getting back from a gig. So I rolled up to this house by myself to just like wait by her back door. <laughs> so it was quite <laughs> anticlimactic. And of course, the running theme throughout this whole, whole journey has been that my destination house where I'm staying always was at the top of the hill. It didn't even matter if like my whole day was downhill where I had to sleep that night was always at the top of a hill. So mm. going through Halifax that day, getting to that girl's house um, was some of the steepest climbing I'd done since the Rocky Mountains. It was really the final test type of thing yeah totally. last level final boss <laughs> yeah it just had to squeeze a little <laughs> in there for me so wow. yeah yeah but it was uh yeah it was really beautiful uh such a sense of relief and accomplishment it was so great yeah yeah liz i'm so fucking proud of you you're a badass bitch <laughs> one of the baddest we had on the show ever like seriously i i really really mean that um and thank you for just sharing these stories. I know you have a lot more in this. We only like kind of scratched the surface and time just went like in a blink. It feels like I've been talking to you for five minutes. It's been like an hour, but yeah, I can't thank you enough. And uh, I had an absolute pleasure just hearing, hearing all this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Sean. And um, when you were saying at the beginning of the interview that it sounds like it needs to be like a movie or a book or something, my intention yes. is to actually write a book about this but i'll be doing when we didn't even touch on the album as you said so the whole idea behind the album the gi big giant one that i recorded in 2021 it's called pendulum state and um it's about a whole journey through addiction recovery and stuff and because of that swing back and forth i decided to release it into smaller batches two mini albums so the first one the whole thing is designed around the swing of a pendulum sonically as well and thematically so the first half of it is called freefall and the second half is called skyward and when all of pendulum state comes out later on it'll be all those songs together plus a keystone song in the center of those two uh, mini cool. albums. so um anyway when freefall came out this year uh shit what was my point on all of that oh no um, um you were talking about the book maybe or, yeah or, yeah, so, yeah because i did this tour for free fall i'm doing another cycle across the country again starting in april for the second album skyward and this all right time, i actually i met a drummer in Kelowna who's going to be joining me on his bicycle so he's going to have his trailer loaded up with drums and everything <laughs> <laughs> but my intention was to just quickly write down like cliff notes um really messy first draft of the book to get all my ideas together of this cycle before we head off on next year's cycle before they end up starting like to mix together in my head but good plan i haven't had a chance to yet and i'm not very good at showing up and just like splurging onto the computer to write stuff so i've decided i'm gonna do this kind of through my youtube channel instead so in February, when I get back from Ireland, I'm going to be recording a series of YouTube videos and a kind of also a guide to doing this wild kind of, you know, left of center touring style. Um, so if anyone wants to follow along my YouTube channel, there'll be like tons more information showing up on my YouTube channel about this and lots of footage and stuff from the trip across and all that kind of stuff and extra stories. So you should follow along. Oh, Stella. Yeah. That's so awesome. We'll definitely uh, share the link of your YouTube channel and all that and and share your music, which we didn't talk much about. But again, like what a story. And I'm so happy like uh, you want to turn it into like a book and stuff. And I got some more ideas around that. I'm going to send you like a bigger message of little contacts I made and maybe some people who can help you because obviously like this needs to be a thing like let's put it out there you know and all Amazing, that but... yeah well next year as well my my drummer that's traveling with me is a videographer too so the uh the big juicy golden goal for last year's tour was to maybe document all of this which i did and get it to netflix 
Netflix or something, but I would mm -hmm. love if we could get like this year's tour to Netflix because the footage we're going to have, we have a drone list and a DSLR camera and like two phones, two GoPros is going to be epic. So if we could somehow get a deal to make documentary, it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's possible. Like I've seen documentaries about more mundane things than your <laughs> like this what you did is fucking amazing like honestly and uh and yeah even even though you told me about it i want to watch it later you know <laughs> so again liz ostella thank you for your time i'm gonna let you go but uh yeah we'll keep in touch and everything definitely thank you so much for having me again sean it's lovely to see you Thank you once again to Ostella for your time. Hope you're recovering well. And wow, like I mentioned in the interview, I totally underestimated the magnitude of the story. <laughs> and I think it's bigger than any podcast can showcase. Excited for the book, excited for her little YouTube docu-series. Nothing guaranteed, but some of my film connections, I will be hitting up and sharing the story with them. Even beyond a documentary, I think this would be cool as like a Netflix series or movie. And what I mean like series, like filmed with actors, like episodic television, you know? Because there's so much story beats and excitement. And even when you think about like the moments of the bull and running from lightning storms and gunmen on the loose, you don't even have to exaggerate it that much. It's just all there, the material. But uh, wow, what an adventure Ostella went on. I can only imagine the life perspective that she's got from that and like she mentioned be sure to subscribe to her youtube to keep up with this ongoing journey and before i go like always i gotta thank all you legends who are subscribed to the creative imbalance patreon page first up jeremy hopkin of hopkin design amanda mcknight of top 10 nerd ryan watkins of ryan radio the wonderful jenny potter the legendary Devin McBride, Ryan frickin' Campbell, Mike, my boy, Ulio, our favorite soul singer, Sabre, and last but not least, Francis Coffer, aka my mom. If you want all these episodes extra early, raw, and uncut, right when I'm done the interview, I take the Zoom call and I post it unedited you can check out patreon.com slash the creative imbalance and on top of that you get a shout out at the end of every episode and even more you can go to bed at night knowing you're a badass motherfucker who supports independent media and i got another talk recorded for you that i'm about to post today and that being said even if you just listened to this or gave it a share i love and appreciate you and we got more coming your way. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Cheer!